Welcome to Terrible, the podcast where two friends discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare themselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We are not experts. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and their families are not forgotten. I'm Renee, a longtime true crime enthusiast who has spent years listening to countless cases. Marie, on the other hand, has recently delved into true crime after being recommended a case on a YouTube channel. We both believe that once you watch or listen to your first true crime case, there's no going back. So let's do this. Okay, let's start with our updates. First of all, I wanted to check in with you after last week's case because many people don't know, but it's one of your biggest fears being kidnapped. Yeah. Because I, I was tippy-toeing around the kidnapping stuff and yeah. you, you know, and you you gave me the green light. You said it was okay. I did, I did. Honestly, how are you doing? I would have thought originally it would have been a lot like I would have felt a lot worse hearing a story like that. But I think it went okay because I think the more I get into listening to true crime and different cases and stuff, the more, I don't know, not, not that I understand what happens in life, but it almost like helps my fear if that makes any sense. So it completely makes sense. Yeah. Like you feel like ready. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because honestly, from our case last week, I literally would have been so much worse than the 12 year old that went through that. Like I wouldn't even think of half the things she actually did to stay alive. So thank you. That information could help me in the future if that ever happens to me. I mean, it was a horrifying case, not gonna lie. It's like I didn't have any nightmares, which is pretty great. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm overcoming my fears. We're doing this together. Thank you, Renee. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> And I've been dying to tell you this all week. So in the town I live in, there was a major true crime case that occurred last week that I've been saving. And obviously it's just like the beginning of what's happened. Right. But I've been saving telling you because I've just been wanting to like blurt it out to someone, which also no one else in my life would really care. But (laughs) so for reference, I live just outside of Calgary, Alberta. And last week, there was a 20-year-old man who was charged with second-degree murder and the killing of his 48-year-old mother who was found dead in their home. So this is truly, like, an awful story because it does sound like there was kind of a lot of, like, mental health. You know, and again, this is a very premature, like, very beginning. It literally just happened. So RCMP officials responded to a business in Northeast Airdrie in the morning of January 13th after a call was made to 911 indicating then a man was in medical distress so just because i live here and i've heard kind of the town gossip so there was a 20 year old man who showed up at a local business so kind of like a store you know like somewhere in the area Mm -hmm. that sells things just a local business right and just seemed out of it like something seemed wrong immediately so first responders arrive and the man is taken to hospital by ambulance and placed in police custody because it it was obvious right off the bat something's going on here yeah but they they didn't know at that point like what it was just that he's in distress exactly okay and the scenario prompted the police to visit a home to do a welfare check like so they Mm -hmm. obviously he must have had some kind of identification on him where they were able to identify him and find out where this 20 year old man lives and they go to the home to just visit and that's where they find the body of the 40 year old mother dead in the residence 
true crime can always surprise me because I haven't been into it for that long but and you visited me like we live in like a suburban mm-hmm. like yeah. just like a suburban heaven like just like, a little it, town it looks outside like of something, Calgary. something you would see in like a Hallmark Christmas movie so cute so family oriented yeah and it, it does like as as more information starts to come out like it does seem like it was like again a lot of mental health things like yeah. a, kind of a weird break in the personality like it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like this was something that people kind of anticipated happening not mm-hmm. that you ever necessarily anticipate but you know there's people that you think oh I could see that happening or yeah. you know this more likely to happen to this person mm-hmm. than not so yeah we'll keep on it maybe you see if there's any more information but yeah some more updates over the coming uh, weeks or months yeah but really like bananas yeah. For a second, <laughs> I thought you said, yeah, I really like a banana. I'm trying not, not to say <laughs> I'm trying not to say crazy because oh. I feel like you're not supposed to say crazy or insane. So I'm going with bananas or bonkers. Do we like that? Oh, I, I like bonkers. Bonkers? Okay. Yeah. Let's stick with bonkers then. That's bonkers. That's yeah, crazy. Like that. Bonkers. <laughs> anyway, that's some true crime local news for me. But back in Ottawa, it's Marie's birthday tomorrow. So yeah. happy birthday. Yay, another year added to the books. <laughs> so great. So exciting. Another birthday in COVID lockdown. Amazing. Oh. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting anything special for your birthday? Uh, I got an Apple Watch, but I'm really, really oh. mad because I guess the new Apple Watch is just like the new iPhones don't have a USB charger. It doesn't come with a charger block. So it's like a USB-C charger okay. that goes in a, in a USB-C charger block. Okay, I just got a new iPhone too, and yeah. they don't give you the block in no, the new iPhones either. Exactly. And the only reason I have it is because I, I have like a newish iPad. Oh. So that's the only reason I had like the block yeah. part. So my, oh, my yeah, so my watch has been dead and I haven't been able to use it because I had to order it on Amazon. And now it's so annoying. Yeah. And it says it's supposed to come by 10 p.m. But like I've had no notification (laughs) about anyone out for delivery. So I'm like really, really mad. I wish I was there. (laughs) Anyways, I'm excited to use it. That's that's all, you know. Yeah. Oh, smartwatches are fun. Yeah. Anything else going on with you? No. How's little Zoe doing? She's doing great. She's going for her second set of shots tomorrow. So another trip to the vet. But she's doing great. She's crazy. Oh, she's bonkers. <laughs> she has no perception of like depth or anything. So she runs into everything and oh yeah, she's wild, but I love her. Okay, before we get into this week's case, we wanted to discuss uh, temporary absences from prison. We talked about it a bit last week during the case. Uh, Marie and I were both kind of mind blown that the offender in that case, if you haven't listened, go listen, you have to. And the, the offender in that case had temporary or had been allowed temporary absences from prison. So we kind of wondered how this worked in Canada and who kind of decided who and how they were allowed out. So this is current information that I could find. Obviously, the case we discussed last week was several years ago. So this is what is current right now. So the Corrections and Conditional Release Act identifies three types of temporary absences from prison. Escorted temporary absences, unescorted temporary absences, and work releases. Both federal and provincial correctional legislation allow for temporary absences. In the federal system, the Parole Board of Canada and Correctional Services of Canada share the responsibility of temporary absences. What I'm getting from this is that if you're an inmate in prison, you can 
apply for a temporary absence and it goes through either the Parole Board of Canada or the Correctional Services of Canada. So CSC, the Correctional Services of Canada, may grant temporary releases when it considers there is a limited risk that the inmate will re-offend during the absence. The temporary absence must also fit within the framework of the inmate's correctional plan. So obviously there's a lot that the public isn't privy to that we don't have mm-hmm. access to. So inmate's correctional plans is not something that we would necessarily have access to. So obviously a lot of factors go into this, but it seems to me like it's some sort of application that then goes through the boards that they look over and then they grant kind of a yes or no or what the terms are. Temporary absences may be granted for a variety of reasons. So medical, administrative, community service, family contact, parental responsibility, personal development, compassionate, or escorted temporary absence. An escorted temporary absence is a release in which an inmate leaves the institution accompanied by one or more escorts. A medical absence may be unlimited and may be granted at any time in an offender sentence. Unescorted temporary absences are releases of limited duration and CSC grants them for one of the reasons previously indicated. Inmates must have served part of their sentence before being eligible to apply. Inmates classified as maximum security are not eligible for unaccompanied temporary absences. So this seems like the scenario that we talked about last week Mm -hmm. that this might have changed, but if you're released from prison and you're unaccompanied, it seems like there are certain restrictions. Like I mentioned, you have to have served a certain part of their sentence. And if you're in maximum security, you're not even eligible, which I hope that the perpetrator we talked about last week would have nowadays been considered in maximum security not eligible but he definitely was back then so that's good for us to know kind of going forward yeah i still can't believe he was able to even leave the grounds of the prison but i've been like telling anyone who will listen ever since we covered (laughs) that episode like how mad i am about how ridiculous that is Mm -hmm. and uh for work release it involves work or community service outside the institution it is a structured program of release and is established for a specific period of time a staff member or other authorized person or organization supervises the work release it's good to know that there are kind of three different reasons why someone Mm -hmm. can be granted a temporary absence so we'll keep that in our minds going forward as we cover other cases so this case was recommended to us by my boyfriend's brother's fiance they just recently got engaged so congratulations vanessa and andrew congrats we're so happy for you and thank you for the recommendation so we're going to cover this case and this is all thanks to vanessa the sources for this week are a ctv news calgary article an article from the journal de marianne by clara loiseau a cbc news article a series on youtube by claude poirier a la presse article by pierre andré normandin two Wikipedia articles, and also an article from the Ottawa Sun by Doug Hempstead. So this is a case from Gatineau, Quebec, and Marie and I's first language is French, so <laughs> this is going to be a little bit interesting going back and forth, but well, I mean, you guys know I, I call her Marie, it's definitely not English. Um, yeah, we're just used to it that way, you know, can't change yeah, it Yeah, that's now. just the way it is. Uh, yeah, I went to French school her whole life, so you're going to definitely hear the French coming out in this episode, so uh, yeah, we'll get into it. So it's the afternoon of August 23rd, 2011 in Gatineau, Quebec. 
The last week of August and the first week of September marks the beginning of the school year for many. So this was the exact case for an 18-year-old student, uh, and her name was Valérie Leblanc, and she's the one we're talking about today. So she was attending the Cégep de l'Outaouais. This is going to be very different for a lot of people across Canada or, you know, across the world if you're listening. So Cégep is a publicly funded college providing technical, academic, vocational, and mixed programs. They are exclusive to the province of Quebec's education system. Basically, it's a pre-university program that's typically two years in duration, and it's filling the gap between secondary school and your undergraduate degree. Yeah, so you pretty much do less time in high school, less time in university, because you have those extra two years that kind of fill up that gap that you do less in either or. Yeah, so this is kind of very typical for for a student that's studied in Quebec. On her first day, Valérie had packed her backpack and was headed to her first day of school for this year. Her mom shared that she was planning on breaking off a relationship that she was currently in that morning. So it's reported, and we'll talk a bit more about it later, that she had been dating a boy, and for whatever reason, they decided that, or she decided, I'm not sure if it was mutual, but she had decided that she wanted to end the relationship. First day of school, a breakup, I can imagine her anxiety is at an all-time high. Mine would be in that scenario. That's a rough start Um, to the year. So I don't know too much about her movements that morning, or if she ever attended any classes, but she would never come home that evening. When Valerie's mom realizes that the time for her daughter to arrive home has come and gone, I'm sure panic ensues. Her family reports her missing that evening. Around midnight, Julie, Valerie's mom gets a knock at her door. She was about to get the worst news a parent could ever hear. Valérie had been found dead. Oh no, she was already found. Yeah. That same day. Yikes. That must be a lot for her mom to take in in one day. Your daughter didn't come back and now... Well, I'm sure you would like, don't think worst case scenario right, right away. away like, exactly. oh, she's with some friends. She didn't yeah. tell me where she is. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You definitely don't. It's not like a lot of cases I think we've, we've talked about. It's like a certain period of time goes by before anyone gets any news. Mm-hmm. But the so kind of the worst case scenario, like yeah. right away, like there's no time time not that there's ever any time to truly process but there's absolutely yeah. no time at all to truly mm-hmm. kind of sit with oh my daughter's missing yeah. okay she's been murdered yeah Valérie had gone missing from the wooded area behind the Sijeb, which was very popular for students they would take their lunch breaks or breaks between classes and head to kind of the area where there's nature where they could sit down and see some friends she was reported to have gone to this area with one friend and the friend in question had left the woods some 30 minutes after they had entered it. There are reports to the press that the friend that Benahi was in the woods with was her boyfriend to whom she had recently broken up with. So I'm assuming, again, assumptions that she had went into the woods to kind of deal with this breakup. They had done the breaking up and then the boyfriend leaves left. the woods. Right. Yeah, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, she's 18. Yeah. They like break up, you you know, you kind of separate. It's mm-hmm. it's this is this just all feels like super familiar to yeah. me, which I think is why this is so hard. And 2011, and for those of you that don't know, like Ottawa and Gatineau share like a very close border, so yeah. you can um, be there in in no time. Yeah, so this oh, is like very yeah. close, I think, for for you and I, Marie. So two and a half hours later, four students from the Sijeb were walking around the area near the school. And they noticed Valérie's body. It's reported that the four students originally thought the body was a mannequin. Now, this is actually something that's reported really often when people find a body. The brain almost doesn't, like, connect that 
it's a human being. So your last thought to, to think you would ever stumble across someone that was murdered or a dead body or anything like that. So especially for students, you know, I'm sure that was not. You just, exactly. Yeah. You don't think like midday, like mm -hmm. you're walking around in the daylight and this, but these students kind of take this to, to another level and it is pretty troubling. So it's reported that they thought it could have been something from the drama department or from the police studies program. Basically, they stumble upon this body and they don't connect for what reason that it is a human being. So they, mm -hmm. they think it's a mannequin. So they, they assume that it's from the drama department or the police studies program. Okay. Because that would somewhat make sense, but I, I just really feel that at first you might think, oh, this might be a mannequin, but the closer you get, the more you would notice. You must realize how human-like right? it is. Yeah, like it's a very big difference between a mannequin and a human. Let's yeah. be real. In nursing programs, they use mannequins all the time as like patients, right? And they look nothing like an actual human. Yeah, they have the shape, but that's about Yeah, exactly. It. For reasons I cannot explain or even necessarily understand, the group of students disrupt the crime scene by what is described as playing with the body. That's awful. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. Maybe this is coming from someone who inhales true crime for a living, but I just, yeah. I don't know. They drag it they move it i don't know it's reported a couple of different ways but playing with the body and like, why would you used... even want to do that if it if you found a mannequin that was in that state don't touch it like it's probably dirty exactly. like i don't know like if, if it, i'm talking about if it was a mannequin like yeah. right like no matter what why would you want to play yeah. with it? and this next part is going to make us question this even more because valerie had been badly beaten and burned so Aww. you can't tell me that this looked like again like a regular mm -hmm mannequin yeah. that you would see in the drama department or yeah. in the police services i don't know department at yeah. school this just doesn't add up and i feel like even if my first thought was oh it's a mannequin i would still go get someone for help just to notify someone that there's something, something that's not here. right yeah yeah you know instead of exactly. playing with it so prosecutors never lead charges against the people who cops believe had committed the final indignity, which they called it, which was the quote unquote playing with the body. And because I read from a couple different articles, so the first article I read talked a lot about the four students and they're mentioned often throughout this story because it just, again, I feel like it's so unbelievable yeah, that odd. people would do something like this. Mm. But in a separate article, it says that later that day, two other students are in the same wooded area area around 4 p.m. One of them is having a cigarette and notices the body. He says, She was laying down on her front. Her legs were broken. At the time, we didn't believe it was real. So the two move closer and decide to call the police like normal people Agreed. would. Yeah. Do. from Vanessa I I she actually had people that were somewhat close to this case and she told me that the four individuals that originally found the body later actually called the police so I don't know if that's you know corroborated anywhere or not mm -hmm. if they actually went home and thought like hmm, maybe something wasn't totally right about what we did and decided yeah. to call but I think these two students are the two that really kind of stumbled upon it after and said like okay something's wrong here mm -hmm. so they called the police right away yeah because I was thinking those four students did they admit to it right away that they played with the body not knowing that it was an actual human or or how it, it was found out that they did that. So that's good to know. I also used information from a podcast that's called The St. Eyes. It was recorded seven years after the murder, and they do a series that covers this case in depth, so I recommend you go listen. It is in French, so 
that's kind of a, a necessity to be able to understand French, but they do a pretty good job, and I did listen to a couple of their episodes. These two podcast hosts visit the spot where Valérie's body was found. The two seem very confused because, from what they can tell, the spot is so close to the school. They can actually see the school mm. from the exact spot where the body was found, and they just wonder how she was murdered there in broad daylight while students... Yeah. Around 3,000 students walked around mm -hmm. campus. And activities were going on. This is yeah. the first week of school in, in Ottawa. Uh, I went to the University of Ottawa. We call this Frosh Week. It's mm -hmm. where a lot of social activities are going around. Um, people are participating in them. It's where you can really connect and make friends. And that's and kind out, of similar. Yeah, and check out mm -hmm. the school. Check out what's around it. So I'm sure a lot of people are going in the forest area as well. So, yeah, that's that's a good point. Exactly. So they're really wondering how in such a busy time for the campus someone was murdered again in broad daylight and so brutally like this had to have taken some time for someone to have bludgeoned Valérie and mm -hmm. burn her body like it doesn't even make sense before we go a little bit more into the case I want to tell you more about Valérie she is described as having a big heart she loved everyone she met she only saw the best in everyone she was starting her second year studying human sciences she loved playing music and spending her time outside. She worked as a birthday party host, which I have done before and takes so much energy that I didn't have. <laughs> it's true, you did too. Yeah. I don't um, understand how we ever did that because we're like very low energy. I really tried to find more information about her, but it was kind of difficult. And I, I don't know if part of that is because that this case happened in Quebec and, and a lot of the media is French and there's less coverage overall. Right. I hope not, but I, mm. I have a feeling that... There's probably yeah. less coverage like across Canada because... French is not necessarily distributed everywhere in Canada. So when it's English, it's easier for other provinces to report what happened in a different province if it's in English. But French, it's kind of like they're not going to get that much um, exactly. attention from it. Yeah. So. It's supposed to be our official second language, but mm -hmm. really there are certain spots and pockets of the country where yeah. it's definitely more spoken in and mm -hmm. um, they're kind of far and few between. I did find uh, a series of YouTube videos by Claude Poirier, and in one of them, he covers Valérie's case. So Claude speaks to Valérie's parents and grandmother. Her dad shared that the police questioned him. They even took blood and urine samples and asked him about his whereabouts that day. So as we've discussed many times, I feel like investigators straight up just look at the people closest to you yeah. right off the bat because unfortunately you're way more likely to be murdered by someone who's very close to you than a stranger which that oddly sometimes consoles me i guess i could say <laughs> because you choose hopefully who's around you so yeah if you pick the right people you have less chances of being murdered Just right that's like the there. basis that's like basis <laughs> of our podcast right like yeah Preparing ourselves for life yeah. and terrible things, learning mm -hmm. from these things, and, exactly. and you know, hoping that we're more equipped to not put ourselves in. And, and in this scenario for Valérie, it really does seem like it was a total stranger. Yeah. So there's nothing I don't think she could have done. She was just being a student. Yeah. Her dad, um, he describes it as kind of a blur, but he says he, he never really felt like a suspect. He felt like the police were doing their job, which, which is kind of nice because yeah. I feel like you could easily feel mm -hmm. like they're coming after you interrogating 100%. you blaming you but yeah. he felt like they were really being thorough which is which is kind of nice to hear Valérie's grandmother shared that it is still very difficult for the family to talk about it she speculates that she might have known her attacker but says that the autopsy showed that she was hit from behind so again this is like 
speculation just specifically mm-hmm. from the grandmother but whether or not she knew her attacker it seemed like from the information the family received that she was hit in the head from behind which again probably totally knocks you out yeah. you don't even know what happens like mm-hmm. you're not expecting it right if someone comes yeah. at you from behind and you can't hear them mm-hmm. this next part is so freaking strange but apparently that he told her grandmother before her death that she knew how she was going to die she said she would be beaten and burned stop yes this is some out of this world stuff so again this is coming from just the grandmother i'm not calling her a liar i totally believe her but the grandma says that valerie told her that she had sensed how she was going to die and when someone tells you that like how are you supposed to react also like can i lock you in a padded room for the rest of your life no exactly you don't i don't want to say you don't take it seriously but it's not something necessarily that you actually take action on unless no. unless it's something like you feel you're being stopped at the present moment or something like that but if it's just like oh I have a feeling this is how I'm gonna die there's there's nothing you can really do to prevent it which you might be hitting on something there right oh. like maybe Valérie uh, spoiler like this case is unsolved um it's not may- solved no oh no <laughs> oh man I don't know. It's unsolved, but maybe uh, Valérie had some experience and she thought someone threatened her. And so she was saying it as a kind of like, I don't know, cry. We're speculating wildly, but like as some kind of cry for help. Someone had threatened her and Mm -hmm. she was just trying to say, or or maybe not, you know, you never know. But uh, it's, yeah, I'm sorry to spoil it for you. It's unsolved. Unsolved. It's just so hard to close close the laptop at the end of this episode and and just be at peace with knowing that it's all dealt with. Yeah, especially 2011. Yeah. Like that wasn't that long ago. Right? So whoever did this is out there. And I'm close to this. (laughs) You're fine. It's over a little provincial border. So I doubt he'll cross over. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't leave my house anyway. So unless they come (laughs) to my house. Okay. (laughs) If we don't have an episode next week, it's because Matthew canceled the show because I I traumatized her. Last week, I was, it was, it was, you know, I could deal with it this week. This is a little hard for me. Okay. So her mom, Julie, thinks the attack was random, however. So again, the mom was speculating mm-hmm. that she could have known her attacker. Okay. I'm sorry, the grandma was, was speculating that she yeah. could have known her attacker, but mom thinks that the attack was random. She talks in this little docu-series that her anxiety and nightmares are heightened and they have been there since Benefi has has been murdered well i don't blame her for as it's unsolved like i probably would also have nightmares every night as her mom mom friends family yeah it's so hard to believe that this is unsolved and Mm. i I think i get the feeling that the gatineau police have have really wanted to solve this and have put a lot of effort into it but they just don't have anything and as a mom or a family member how are you supposed to feel what are you supposed to do like this is just and you know what's (laughs) scary too in 2011 that wasn't that long ago there's technology i don't know it's just it's scary to think that someone could get away with this yes yeah it's so scary to think that and to think that now people are still going to that school i would never want to go there knowing this one different chance like one person that had walked by that day or one different Mm -hmm. biker or one different any different scenario Mm -hmm. someone would not have gone with this because as the the, the podcast host at the saint i said they were so close to the school they could see the school from the spot where the body was found yeah like how do they not have cameras at the school 
Well, I hope they have cameras now. If not, I'll put them up myself. Yeah, we're protesting. We're going yeah, exactly. <laughs> Police officers say the investigation isn't closed. They've received thousands of tips, but nothing significant has come from the tips. Gatineau Police issued a sketch of a white male witnesses had seen and had reported months following Valérie's death. And investigators say they still want to speak to that person. So it's totally unknown if this is a perpetrator, just someone who is in the park or someone who's around the area doing something else. Like this is just someone who has reported to have been seen and I don't exactly know by who. Mm-hmm. We'll put a picture up on our social media. Marie peeked at it. <laughs> oh, I jumped out of my chair. I don't know how they did that, but that's a creepy picture. Yeah, I it's don't very like it. creepy. It's a white male with a black baseball cap. He kind of has like a wide looking face. Huge cheeks, huge chin, <laughs> small nose, small <laughs> lips. It's like so disproportionate. Like I would be scared of this person if I saw him in the grocery <laughs> store without even knowing other information. So the, please go see the also- picture to, just to make sure you stay clear. Oh man, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm just scaring the yeah. Of this episode. <laughs> At the same time as this is, is extremely kind of creepily looking. Mm-hmm. It's a very generic white male. This could really be not I mean, anyone. Yeah. But it, like, it's pretty generic in the same way. Like, it's it's a yeah. white face, clean-shaven, white male. Well, and especially now, what, 10, 11 years after yeah. the murder. I wouldn't even know how this, like, how he would age. Like, I have no idea even, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be able to recognize him now. <gasps> oh, I won't be able to recognize him now. <laughs> You're fine. just lock your doors yeah lock your doors (laughs) so Valérie's friends and family say as I just mentioned that the picture is a bit too neutral and seems like any kind of white male the family of course wants justice for Valérie and a memorial was set up by friends and family around the space where her body was found one year after the murder the memorial was vandalized yeah so we just say who would do something like this that's actually disgusting and what do you get from it this is just me talking but i don't get the vibe that this is the murderer like this is not no this is just just some stupid kids that are probably going to that school if i ever had a kid that did something like this goodbye (laughs) goodbye (laughs) literally it's just this and for the family again it's just oh my god so hurtful and hard and i can't mm-hmm. imagine and oh, i just want to find out what happened to vanity yeah me too i was really so as you guys know i don't know the cases before coming into us recording so i don't know why i guess we've had a lot of solved episodes so i just came in thinking it was going to be solved so you know like but again there. waiting for the story to be wrapped in a bow yes. and calms our anxieties and makes us feel like the right person was I caught know. but these cases are so important to talk they about are, and i know I that they're realistically they're more important than solved cases but yeah they are but scarier. it's hard and it's yeah. hard for us too and i think i think a lot about I listen to a ton of true crime during the week and a lot of different podcasts. And I think about since we've been doing this podcast that doing the research is a lot harder on me than I expected it to be. Mm. Like when you're just listening, it, it just feels like you can take yourself out of it. But when you're yeah. doing that research, it's, it just feels really difficult. And it's it's mm-hmm. almost a different, you're coming at it from a different 
ankle and they don't know yeah but i was thinking about it today and you marie edits so i do all the research but marie edits all of our podcasts Mm -hmm. so she has to listen to my voice tell her the same story (laughs) over and over and over and over again so it's equally for both of us like she hears it once but then she has to continue hearing it till she's finished editing out all of my blurps that i (laughs) make mistakes on so it's hard but like we're glad we're doing it Mm -hmm. but I think both of us going into it thought it was going to be kind of a lot easier yeah I think it was like unanticipated at the different effects it could have on you and how much work it actually is and how much it could take a toll with like depending on the cases but we're hanging in there though we're fine we are we are (laughs) Julie Valérie's mom told CBC I just miss her and every year that goes on it's like we're going through that again It's bringing me down so much. In 2013, an anonymous caller claimed that Valérie's killer committed suicide a month after the 18-year-old's death. Her grandmother, however, doesn't believe the reports suggesting the man who killed the granddaughter took his own life. This is kind of just another avenue, I guess. It was just Mm. one of the thousands of tips that have come in and nothing has really come from it. So there was not enough. I'm assuming police investigated this, but it's really not. But that's um, what makes it hard when you receive so many tips. It it must be hard to just try to... like compend uh, like car uh, you know what word I'm trying to say yeah. mentalized no it's not anyway. people are screaming at us right now compartmentalize compartmentalize um yeah that <laughs> compartmentalize there you like go. which tips oh, are sure. valid important not important it must be hard to just make those calls oh for sure and then the thing is like if you don't investigate one thing and that Mm -hmm. could be the lead and then they get criticized and they must be a lot right it's a lot we we obviously don't know what it's like to be on the other hand of that and being the investigators but man i obviously know that they want to solve this right this has happened in their community Mm -hmm. and it's awful atrocious murder and yeah but like i said apparently this has really kind of led to nothing so i wouldn't put much thought into this really so this next part is so eerie The year before Valérie's murder, in March 2010, a woman was found badly burned in the same area of the park. So this is directly from a quote from one of the articles I listed above. An unidentified badly burned woman was found in the parking lot near Gatineau Park in Quebec. This sparked a police search in the area after she was heard screaming, there are other victims. Yo, I don't even know like what to make of that. Okay, we'll just, this is a lot, so we'll just recap. So around the same area near the Sijan, so this is a pretty large wooded area, but around the same area, and this is part of Gatineau Park, around the Sijab, a year earlier, okay, Mm -hmm. a woman is found badly burned, and when people come upon her, so it's just a group of people that were in the park, there's not a ton more information, but uh, a group of people come upon her, and obviously are startled right away. She's badly burned, this is, looks like it's been an attack, probably, Mm -hmm. like, you know and the first thing she says or one of the first things she says is that there are other victims in the woods she basically is pleading for them there are other victims go find them oh my god whether this is connected to the case or not it has to be mentioned because yeah that's how that's too- what are the yeah. chances 
So when this happens, more than a dozen police officers with snowmobiles, because I guess it's probably during the winters, and ATVs comb the trails uh, that are popular for cross-country skiing and other outdoor activities. And based on the results of the search, police thinks that there were not other victims. So the woman was believed to be in her 20s and was spotted around 5 p.m. near the Sijab. The students were on March break at the time, so the campus was pretty quiet. Before, again, before losing consciousness, the woman told the students that were there that there were other victims in the woods. So the students called the police and the woman was sent to a local hospital with second degree and third degree burns on her thighs and upper body, including her face. This is an intense amount of burns, okay? Mm -hmm. And first of all, I don't even know how someone would go about doing this to themselves because this is what police end up kind of concluding. That she did it to herself? Yes. So later she was transferred to the burn unit at Hotel du Hôpital de Montréal. And the police believe that the incident was an attempted suicide. So they don't think that it's connected to Vanity's case. So I know this is really hard for us to picture. People obviously have done this. This is something that, like, it's not... I'm not saying that's very common. People try to light themselves on fire. That's not it. But it, it has happened in the past in specific scenarios, mental health. There's a lot of things going on here. It just feels too strange yeah. not to be connected to Valerie's case and it's been completely ruled out like they think that well, it's not especially connected at her all. saying that there are other victims too what is going on in the woods behind the sijab like you said i'm never going there i'm never even going to get snow ever again <laughs> <laughs> sorry can't this to me was the part of this case that i was like this is bonkers like this makes no sense how does something like this happen i just don't understand and this case is well, unsolved. And, if, and she's still alive? This this lady that, that was burned? There's not a ton of information on her, but I'm okay. assuming that she survived this incident. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that she's still alive. But who knows, yeah. And it, it's just, this feels so close to my heart, and I feel very mm-hmm. sad that this isn't solved yet. Yeah. And I know that there's nothing that our little podcast can do, but if anything, we can yeah. talk about these cases and attempt just be, to... Yeah, just be aware of your surroundings, you know? And, yes, yeah. And, you know, things can happen anywhere at any time of day. We've obviously seen cases and heard cases now that happen in broad daylight, So I think it's just important to be aware of your surroundings because you can be that one person that can help provide information that can actually solve something. That's just, yeah, that's devastating for the family, for the victim. But you're totally right. Like, I think we've said we're going to have to keep track of our our terrible rules, but don't pick up a hitchhiker don't get into a car with someone you don't know mm-hmm. get a ring doorbell camera and if you're out in public it doesn't matter what time of the day it is i mean especially girls at night but don't walk with both your headphones in mm-hmm. keep an ear out and keep mm-hmm. a listen it's just so important i mean i'm gonna say especially for girls to just girls and women to just be unfortunately be hyper aware of your surroundings yeah. and not only as a victim but also as someone who could be a witness I do this all the time and this this might seem like a little bit bonkers for some people (laughs) but I I look at license plates and I think what's that person wearing this seems like a weird scenario like what could I potentially remember but that's important yeah and I don't want these stories to like 
or not stories, but true cases yeah. to kind of overrun your life. But it is something that could happen to really anyone. And I think we see this in this case and it's so important. So if anyone has any information, they're asked to call the Gatineau Police Services Homicide Line at 819-243-4636. So please, if you have any information about Fanny's murder, please call and hopefully a tip eventually leads to something. I'm very hopeful that we'll get her family, you know, some justice one day. This week, we will be donating to La Fondation du Cégep de l'Outaouais. Le Cégep de l'Outaouais Foundation supports students throughout their studies by helping the school's general development. We're donating here in hopes to support other students that are now in Valérie's position to complete their education with the support that they need. If you would like to contribute to Fondation du Cégep de l'Outaouais, the link to donate will be in our description and Instagram slash TikTok bio. Pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram, so please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review below. If you have any case suggestions, please send us a message on our socials or email us at terribletruecrime at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. And see you next time. Oh,